Hey everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm Andy Corrigan and as always I'm joined by both Ginny Wu and Andrew Brown. What have you guys been up to this week? Um, I've been playing uh, games on the Switch, uh, predictably. Uh, most often Fire Emblem Warriors. And I've also been playing Spelunka Party, which is a cute one that I'm keen to talk more about later on. I've been playing The Flame and the Flood and Wolverblade. I did play Fire Emblem Warriors just a little bit, but only briefly, so I won't talk about that much. All right, cool. Well, uh, Wolverblade leads us nicely on to the next segment, which is updates from last week's episode. So you have some comments on this one, Andrew? Uh, yes, I I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Look, this genre is not my genre to begin with. What was drawn me to it was the historical aspect of it and its graphical style, but it was just way too hard for me. Uh, but the developers did contact me on Twitter and said they actually are working on patching in an easy mode, and I'm just going to wait for that to come in before I revisit it. Cool. I, I struggled through and I beat it yesterday. Uh, it is pretty challenging. Um, and I did have to repeat a lot of segments again and again and again, but I get, did get it, and I, I, I'm glad I stuck with it, because it's really good. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough one. It's not one for for people who don't fancy a challenge. Uh, and the other one you've been playing was The Flame and the Flood. You got more thoughts on that? Yeah, which launched last week. Um, I really like it. I really do. Um, one thing I talked about last week was how it's more of an action-adventure game than it is a roguelite, the way it was often characterized as being, but I found myself playing it like a roguelite, where uh, if I died, I wanted to start over anyway, so actually I started switching to the hard mode uh, and playing the permadeath mode instead, which I'm actually enjoying a lot more, so it's nice that the option is there for you to play it in the way you want to, and well, someday maybe I'll beat it. <laughs> uh, as for my update from last week, I have only played... One of the games that I said I was going to play, other than Wolverblade, which was uh, 36 Fragments of Midnight. Did you pick this one up at all? No, not me. It's on the list since it's only $3, but I <laughs> haven't done it yet. Yeah, I only picked it up because it was super cheap, and because I understood that it's pretty short. Which it can be, but it depends entirely on your skill level. But you could easily do it in, in under an hour, technically, once you get the hang of it. So it's basically a little like Super Meat Boy, but mainly in terms of handling. It's got like floaty jumps and that sort of thing, and you're dodging a lot of spikes. It's a lot less difficult, and it doesn't really have like a level structure. It's like one big open map, and you play as a little glowing square called Midnight, and these weird-looking creatures ask you to gather their 36 star fragments which have gone missing, and then return them back to the starting point. So all the fragments are spread over the level, and they're all hidden behind traps, um, usually behind like moving or intermittent lasers or above spikes or above precarious looking platforms uh, and if you die you lose all of the fragments and you have to start again the catch is that when you die the layout of the world changes so nothing is ever in the same location it was however the puzzles are basically the same even if they've been moved so while the world layout changes you're still learning and performing the same the same jumps the same timings you're still doing the same puzzles and you're repeating polishing and perfecting all the skills you need to get to it flawlessly. I haven't beat it yet. I keep making stupid mistakes as I get around the halfway point, or I'll come across a set of traps that I've not come across before. But uh, I think it's something I'm just going to jump into every so often rather than like spend hours trying to beat it. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I think it's it's around the right price mark for what it is. <laughs> On to latest Switch news. 
We're going to start with uh, one which was something we discussed last week, which is about the layout of the store. We were discussing basically how it's it's probably due for an upgrade or a layout change. Mm-hmm. Seems it started because they've added a new section called Current Deals, which addresses one of the issues we, we talked about last week, which was old games on sales getting a bit lost. Yeah, so that should make things a little easier to browse in, in that that respect, at least. Next up, we have uh, Sony creating a cross-platform publishing label uh, with the aim of publishing on the Switch. This is interesting. So, as I understand it, it's not technically under the Sony Games division, but it's under the Sony Music division. Yeah, that's bizarre, isn't it? The Music division. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, and their first game is going to be Tiny Metal, which actually looks pretty decent, I think. That was one of the... In the Nindy showcase, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. one of the two Advance Wars homages that's coming out soon. That one and Wargrooved. So it gets even stranger that it's coming out under Sony Music, but they're also releasing a basically a ripoff of an old Nintendo game. <laughs> okay. Also is the news that we have another developer joining the Switch party. In Exile, who who basically said they wouldn't develop for Nintendo consoles previously, have changed their minds, and they're now an accredited Switch developer. Uh, they are known for the Wasteland series, namely Wasteland 2. I was playing that on PS4. I'd be super keen for that to, to hit the Switch. Have either of you guys, are you interested in any of their games hitting the platform? Um, it would just be one for me. It would definitely have to be Torment Ties of Numenera. So I loved the crap out of that on the PC, and I would 100% want to take it with me pretty much everywhere, so I do want a Switch version of that. I'm not too familiar with their games, but the ones that I am are of that genre called CRPG or Computer RPG, which I think is a made-up genre. So I want that genre to be on the Switch just out of spite. Fair (laughs) enough, yeah. Next up is that the Switch has had its latest firmware update, number 4.0. This brings a number of features. So we've got a video capture, allows you to record 30 seconds of gameplay footage only on certain games at this point. There's like four. Four games, all published and developed by Nintendo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can share those on Twitter or Facebook. It's still cool, but I hope they open that up to other games very quickly. Yeah, I, I doubt they will because it's Nintendo and they like keeping control on the stuff. Like, in Super Mario Odyssey, is supposed to have it day one. But I did it. I tried it with Breath of the Wild. It worked really fast. I was actually amazed at how fast it saved to my system and uploaded. And you can do some great stuff with it, but 30 seconds is not as long as you think it is once you're trying to record something. So it, it's nice it's there. But if you're serious about doing something, or if you even just want to make a GIF or anything... You want to get yourself some capture software because it's no substitute. But in terms of like sharing the little weird quirky things that can happen, it's it's suitable, I think. Yeah, like, oh my god, that just happened! It, it's perfect for sharing that. We have new icons for the new games coming out. I assume Mario Odyssey ones. Mm-hmm. We have profile and save transfers, but this is only to other systems, not between your SD card or the system. And I think it's worth noting that you need to actually have deactivated your profile on one of the switches to transfer it over like you can't have two of your own profiles active on two machines mm-hmm. so it's a bit like the 3ds system yeah 
It's mainly going to be there for if you've got a dodgy console or they're going to release special edition ones. Yeah, exactly. I think I so, yeah. They're inevitably going to release an update, a hardware update to the Switch, so they're going to have to unlock our software from our systems at some point. I think this is the first step towards doing that. Uh, we also have software version matching for local play. What does this mean? So you're going to have that one guy in your friend group or girl who will basically always forget to update their software. It's always a guy. <laughs> and then usually what will happen is that will mean that they will have, they'll have to sit out playing the couch co-op game that all of you other people are playing because they haven't got the right version that everyone else does. But having software version matching means that you all get put onto the same lower version to compensate for your mate not updating the software so you can all play together with no interruptions. Now, my favourite thing was one that didn't get a lot of attention in the news but basically they've enabled the use of usb wireless headphones so headphones that have a usb dongle that you can plug in interestingly my ps4 gold headset works perfectly fine and i'm super glad about that because i was just thinking the other day how i wish the pro pad had like a headphone jack like the ps4 and xbox controllers did and this kind of solved my issue my headset plugs directly into my tv so i kind of bypass that whole issue yeah yeah i've got a set of um turtle beaches that do that but i just can't be asked with the wire <laughs> they're still plugged in i can't be asked unplugging it that's how much yeah. of a pain the wire is <laughs> mine's wired too i got it so i wouldn't disturb my roommates but they're super cool about how much noise i make so <laughs> i never use it <laughs> and we have some new games announced so we were saying Probably in episode one about how we want more JRPGs for the system. Mm-hmm. Looks like we're, we're getting them. So the first one was The Longest Five Minutes, which is a JRPG that plays interestingly on the old trope of the amnesiac protagonist. Mm-hmm. So it apparently starts during his final battle with the with a demon lord, and then his memories start to unlock during that battle. Hence The Longest Five Minutes. So... It sounds pretty cool. Uh, looks pretty cutesy. Also, kind of like I guess how Fire Emblem Awakening started off with you right at the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm all for JRPG, so I'll probably check it out as we learn more about it over time. Uh, and that's coming to the Switch Vita and PC in early 2018. Uh, next up, we have Penny Punching Princess, which is a self-proclaimed game about capitalism. Gather money, bribe enemies to fight for you, get the best traps. The story follows a girl called Princess whose royal heritage has been taken from her in a world obsessed with money. There's not much more details other than that, but it's, that's coming to Switch and Vita in 2018. It looks really, really, really cute. Um, this is a Nisa title, I believe. Um, so super excited for that. Um, it does look kind of like a game where you kind of build up troops and stuff as you go through. It kind of ma- kind of might have mechanics that feel... Um, I guess less complex, maybe more suited to a mobile game. But um, I would like to see how it pans out. Like I said, I mean, like you said, Andy, I don't think we know too much about it yet, but it looks super cute, and I love pretty much all of Nisa's stuff, so I'm going to pick it up for sure. And in news that's sure to delight Andrew, uh, limited run games have been cleared to publish for the Switch. Now, I don't know too much about them, but my understanding is that they publish physical copies of indie games that only usually get digital releases is that correct yes it is and they are a collector's nightmare because they actually put out a lot of great stuff and it's not cheap so (laughs) uh 
So they've been doing a lot of uh, PS4 and Vita stuff. They have a great program running for PS4 and Vita with lots of great releases on that. And it seems like every month they're putting out at least a couple games for it. Uh, it it's going to hurt your wallet. <laughs> it's <laughs> For a person like me who prefers to have everything physical if they possibly can, it's a really cool program to have it exist and before long this might be the only way you can get physical games is through programs like this so <laughs> uh i'm glad to see it is happening on the switch i'm glad to see nintendo's open to it but my wallet is not excited <laughs> i'm not hot up and having a physical copy of games unless it's something that i really 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 um want to collect and hold on to like when i bought the limited edition of Halo 3, the legendary edition. But apart from that, I'm fine with downloading stuff online. Like, it's not a big deal to me. But I'm glad that they have that. And obviously, it's a great market to come to. So they're going to be successful regardless. Now let's move on to new releases. Bit of a longer list this week than last week's. So we have Judge, which is a twin-stick shooter. Looked interesting. I had a half glance at it. Um, Elliot Quest, Don't Knock Twice, which I believe is a, a movie tie-in. Fun, funnily enough, actually, I was looking at that thinking it, it looks like it should be a VR game, and I think it was on other other platforms. Uh, also, there's Rogue Trooper Redo, or Redux, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, Putty Pals, which is uh, another Aussie-made game. There seems to be a lot of those on the Switch at the moment. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jackbox Party 4, never played any of those. Uh, the Count Lucanor. Yep. Party Golf, which is another Aussie-made game, and another Aussie-made game about golf, which the Switch seems to be becoming a bit of a home for them. Uh, Siberia. Robo Army. Super Ping Pong Trickshot. Uh, Revenant Saga. And then the two we're going to talk briefly about, Splunker Party and Fire Emblem Warriors, which is the big one this week. So let's start with Spelunker Party. You've been playing it? How are you finding it, Ginny? Um, it's really adorable, but it's got this weird mix of um, being completely nonsensical and also, I guess, relying on things like physics and people getting injured in a realistic manner. So, um, so for example, it's a game about kind of having to go fast through levels, except instead of like running along a course, you're having to like dig really fast. And so you need to navigate a bunch of caves. You need to go spelunking, basically, and just find lots of old hidden items. And that's the whole premise of the story. So you can play alone or play with mates. It's probably easier with mates because you get kind of more lives to go through everything. But playing alone is doable. Um, the main thing that irked me about the game is that it's about going fast, right? It's about getting the fastest time. And um, the game is really strange in the sense that if you jump off the side of like a ledge um and it's like just a little bit too high and by a little bit i kind of mean like more than like a regular jumping distance you will die automatically um you can die from sort of falling half of your height off a vine onto the ground because your ankle will break from the impact realistically um you die from bats shitting on you um (laughs) you die from tripping over things and like falling into like a tiny hole like the game is very cartoony very over the top but like I found the whole getting injured part very very frustrating because 
trying to go fast and making like big jumps and big leaps impossible like you could die if you leapt sort of down a slope so um not quite sure what they were going for there i guess um trying to balance like cartoony graphics and i guess realistic human injury but it's a fun game nonetheless um i would recommend it i think with mates it makes it less inane and i guess something that you can laugh at when your mate dies from like falling i don't know two centimeters into the ground um, if you're all alone, it definitely is a lot more frustrating. But it's very cute, uh, and it's a good couch co-op game, I think. Yeah, it makes me just want Spelunky on the, the Switch, I think, just yeah, from hearing about it. exactly. So uh, we're going to move on to Fire Emblem Warriors now. Now, at the end of last week's episode, I said I wasn't going to bother with this, but I did cave, and I bought it yesterday. Uh, I'm five missions in. Yeah, I've not played a lot of Warriors games over the years, and I've never really considered myself of the... Musou genre or series? Is it a series or genre? Uh, I think it's both. a bit of both at this rate. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a bit of both now. But I, I did love Hyrule Warriors and I loved it twice. I played that on both Wii U and 3DS. Yes. So that's kind of helped me f- fall in line with that decision. As well as the fact that I love Fire Emblem Awakening. And so that hype train helped change my mind a bit. So I've, I've played the first five levels. What really struck me at first was that it's it's really a game where you can tailor it to how you want to play it. Um, and that's largely because of the way they've incorporated the Fire Emblem rule set and tropes. So like choosing between... Like, well, not just choosing between easy and hard mode, but also turning off the permadeath. Uh, you can choose to turn off the leveling screens if you're not worried about tracking character stats and things like that. Um, and it's cool. I think it's cool that you have the potential for very different playstyles depending on on what you think. That helps me as someone who's not big on the Muso thing. Because of that, I didn't go with permadeath on the first playthrough, and I'm I'm kind of just playing it through on easy until the, everything clicks a bit. Mm. But yeah, it makes me more likely to try a second playthrough too. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I'm a Fire Emblem veteran and a Muso veteran, so um, I'm that idiot that plays on the hardest difficulty with permadeath. Um, but I do appreciate that they have these touches and that they have made it optional. Like, I appreciate that you can still, if you're like a hardcore Fire Emblem fan, still have your permadeath and the other stuff that you associate with the series. But that it's also quite friendly to people who might be in your position, Andy, whereby they might not have played many Musou games. Um, or it might be their first title or something. And I think it's just sensible. It's good marketing. It's good strategy. It makes sense. I've never played a Musou game except for Hyrule Warriors. Uh, The only Fire Emblem game I've spent any time with and actually beaten has been Path of Radiance. So I have no strong attachment to either series. It was actually Hyrule Warriors that drew me to Fire Emblem Warriors. Um, And I can't say much about it so far because I only just got it yesterday and I haven't played it all that much. I haven't been able to give it much attention. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to give this game actually kind of short shrift because we're going to move on to Super Mario Odyssey almost right away. (laughs) But uh, first impressions, the campaign is obviously a lot more detailed than the one that's in Hyrule Warriors, uh, which was a lot more focused on like matching up what weapons you're going to use against which enemies in a very Zelda-like way, whereas this one uses the weapon triangle and light battle tactics, which I think brings a more interesting layer to the campaign but 
I am uncertain that I'm going to play this as much as I played Hyrule Warriors because it has that history mode instead of the adventure mode, which doesn't sound nearly as rich and varied, and I doubt I'm going to want to play the campaign more than once. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think it's going to be a good game, but I'm concerned it's not going to have the longevity of Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think it really is a is a game for the fans. Like, most of the themed Musou games, they're really for people that really like the series. Um, I, for one, am looking really looking forward to the extra bits later on where I can reenact famous battles from the Fire Emblem series, um, but in Musou form. Um, so to me, that's a huge draw, but obviously to other players and to other people that have not had their history with the series, it won't be as relevant or, like, enticing. So, I mean... I think that Fire Emblem Warriors has tried to market itself both towards new consumers and people like me. Um, I say new consumers because of the use of the, I guess, the most recent Fire Emblem games um, to sort of base the main characters off. And obviously all the throwbacks to the games themselves and the history mode and stuff like that are for quote-unquote people that have been with the series as like, sorry, people that are veteran fans of the series but um i think it might have been better off if it just tried to stick to being a game for the fans i think it would have given a more varied experience um and might have been more entertaining for new players as well maybe less of a focus on the new characters and more of a focus on i guess giving like a bigger stable to choose from because that often is what draws people to a muso game right it's like the really flashy gameplay and trying out as many styles as you can at once. I think if they sort of like tried to make the game less newbie friendly and actually thought about what characters would play the best from older franchises, it could have given new people more variety. And it really does need an adventure mode like Hyrule Warriors had, um, I think just for content, because it is quite a steep price, I think. Not Not that it is undeserving of that price, but I think it would have been improved by having an adventure mode like Hyrule Warriors for sure. And we saw the DLC package, the news of it came out, and it's you were really arguing that the DLC was going to add more variety to the game as far as characters go, and now the report has come out that it's more Awakenings characters and it's more I know, Echoes that characters. that made me really so, sad. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea who any of these characters are, so it makes no difference to me, but I was interested how... A longtime series fan would feel about that. Yeah, no, I definitely wanted a much more variety, especially we think about how cool some of the older characters are skill wise, um, and the lore, obviously, and just the character design. Like, I mean, Fire has been around for so long, and it's had all those, you know, the great slash awful design choices of the '90s and characters, <laughs> um, which would be really fun to see in HD. So, they really could have done more of the DLC, and that and the price point bothers me a tiny bit. Um, so I just wanted to talk about how it's a, a total power fantasy. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, you you all the characters are just so overpowered compared to all the the enemies, and you're just like cutting down whole armies with ease and all these flashy powers. Um, but it's it's really cool. Like it, it's just mindless, pleasant button bashing fun, mm. which. Obviously, it's even more button bashing for me playing on easy, but it's uh, I, I'm finding that really enjoyable. It's and that's what I liked about Hyrule Warriors as well. Um, and I, I, as someone who's moderately 
into the Fire Emblem series. I'm I'm happy with how they've woven in the Fire Emblem elements. So, like, giving your orders to your teammates to get them to go do something for you is, is done on a, a grid system with the old arrows for Fire Emblem. Uh, we mentioned the, the weapon wheel. That's in there, obviously, so you can change your character or send specific characters to deal with specific areas. And it m- makes sense to help you switch up your character when you're entering into a certain arena so you know what you're dealing with. And then, of course, there's still the, the team bonds. I don't know how deep they go compared to the core Fire Emblem games. But I know you can open up new abilities and things, is that Yeah, right? that's correct, yeah. And I like how the team bond system works now. Like, you don't have to just sort of pair them up and farm it with one person. Like, using your skills around them also counts. So it's a lot easier to build relationships, I think. Yeah, I noticed that because I forgot to, to pair a team yeah. up in, in one of the fights. But, but two were still near each other and they still leveled up, which was really cool. I did have one criticism. Mm-hmm. It, it's very minor and it's it's only relevant to the opening few hours but it keeps interrupting me in the middle of combat to give me an info box yeah that that one annoyed me that that's annoying as it is but then because i'm in combat i'm hitting buttons that skip the info box so i'm i'm both annoyed at getting the info box and then i'm annoyed at missing what it was trying to tell me yeah so that was that was kind of frustrating on two counts but that's only a criticism that's valid early on um it has given me a hankering to revisit both fire emblem and hyrule warriors at some point though because I've still got Fates to play on 3DS, uh, and I never did quite finish the 3DS version of Hyrule Warriors, so I feel more likely to jump in on that again. Mm. Um, just before we move on to the next part of the podcast, this completely slipped my mind earlier because I was distracted by Fire Emblem Warriors, but um, in terms of new releases, there is the Count Lucanor, and it is really good. Um, I don't want to tell you too much about it, because that will actually probably ruin... Um, the I guess the twist of the game and like the main conceit but it's like a really really good pixel game um, it's sort of like a exploration adventure puzzle game you play as a small child your name is Hans and you hate your mom because your dad's away at war and you think she's a bad mom and doesn't get you cake on your birthday and so you're like I'm moving out I'm 10 <laughs> years old I'm an adult I'm gonna go find my fortune and become a famous prince and um, you kind of get thrown into like, this weird hellscape of a world, um, which is uh, completely crazy. Um, you have no idea what's going on. Animals and humans uh, have just completely swapped places. There's blood everywhere. It's incredibly bizarre. Um, but it is a very short game, um, a very short puzzle game. And I think that it's worth checking out just in terms of um, what it brings to the table graphically and also aesthetically and just in terms of the narrative. Um, that and it, I think it's still on sale because it was just released. I think it's like 10% off or something on the eShop, so I recommend checking it out. It's cute, it's creepy, it's bizarre, and it, most importantly, it's like a tough puzzler. So I think it's really made its mark on the eShop. Ah, cool. Uh, was there any of those in the list that you were looking to pick up that might not have yet? I was looking at Elliot Quest and Judge... Or Jidge, however you pronounce that one. A bunch of them for me. I just, I haven't done it because I have so many other games that I have barely played. (laughs) Because they've been coming so fast, that's finally catching up for the system with me at least. I'm sure other people have been experiencing that for a while. But 
Jidge uh, is the prequel to Neon Chrome, which was released on Switch last week. It's another roguelite top-down twin-stick shooter from that developer. Elliot Quest looks like a uh, cross between Zelda and Kid Icarus. That looks pretty interesting. Uh, Rogue Trooper Redux, which I guess is a cult game based off of... It's, a, it's like an old Xbox game, wasn't it? I guess. I had never heard of it until this came out. But I guess it had a re-release on the Wii, too. Um, and it's some famous English comic book alongside Judge Dredd or something. I don't know. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Uh, I thought it looked really generic, so I passed on it, but I don't know. I could be wrong on that count. It's nice that the Switch has a third-person shooter now. I think that's the first one on the console. Uh, count Lucanora looks great just from what I've seen of it, and so does Siberia, but I haven't even beat Thimbleweed Park yet. I can't be buying more adventure games. Mm. And Revenant Saga looks like a great PS1-era role-playing game, JRPG. So looks like a good batch of stuff this week. I just I did not have time to play any of it. Now, one other thing we were going to talk about, uh, you posted a link to an article on the show notes, Andrew, which was developers talking about what it's like to make a game for the Switch. Um, I picked out a couple of the more interesting quotes that I thought. Was there anything specific that you wanted to talk about? I just thought it was great that all of them characterized the Switch as being much easier to develop for, not only than past uh, Nintendo consoles, but then all the current consoles currently. There was one person who specifically ranked them in a hierarchy, perhaps unfairly, and said only PlayStation was easier to develop for. So that's great news for Nintendo, who have uh, traditionally struggled with this aspect of third-party development in the past. Um, yeah, so this article, this was on Games Radar. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, so one of the quotes that I pulled out was from David D'Angelo, who is a programmer from Yacht Club Games, uh, for, responsible for Shovel Knight, of course. Uh, and he said, It was one of the easiest consoles in a long, long time, I think, that we've had to bring our stuff over to. They're doing everything right under the hood. The SDK and stuff is really clean and nice and simple and up-to-date. It's modern like you'd expect. I think a lot of old Nintendo systems maybe didn't follow that line of thinking. That's quite telling, possibly, about the, the Wii U and 3DS especially. There's some other cool stuff. So uh, Takahisa Matsuda of Disgaea 5 had a couple of uh, anecdotes. One of them was about the confusion in the development team between the X and circle button and the A and B buttons on the, the Switch. That, that seemed pretty cool. And there were some good tidbits about the Doom port, which has been done by Panic Button. They're, they're also doing Rocket League currently. Uh, and they've given probably a bit of confidence for the Doom port being decent, where they've said uh, it's a title that's so frenetic and action-packed and gameplay pure that getting it to work correctly on the hardware is really important to us. And we spent a lot of time trying to make sure it measures up from the lens of does it feel like Doom? Uh, and they talked about something we spoke about a couple of episodes back about the frame rate, where they said it might sound defensive, but I'm bummed that some gamers focus on frame rate or resolution and don't focus on is it fun or does the gameplay feel good. So that's kind of heartening, I think. Mm. I am really happy that there is this positive response to the Switch from developers. And I think a lot of us were worried about 
um, the Switch having sort of the same death knell that the Wii U had, whereby just people were just wanting to make games for it. And clearly this has proven that isn't the case. So I think if people had any doubts about the Switch's longevity, I think they should put those on the shelf because clearly, you know, developers are finding the Switch a great console to create for and to port for. And like the market is just increasing all the time um, with the great breadth of games that we had out even this week alone. The variety has been amazing. So I think any Switch naysayers that are still out there should um, think about their opinions and try to not be wrong in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we're biased. Yes. But (laughs) I think if if anybody is not on board at this point, they're never going to be. Mm. Yeah. It's it's console wars, and that's just how it is. And <laughs> I'm not going to waste my breath on them. Fair enough. Moving on to listener questions. We've got one here from Craigie Craig, who asks, if Nintendo puts more Wii U titles, what would be the number one on your wish list? Uh... Oh, I've got plenty, but I don't know about just picking one. Yeah, I think... Do you guys want to go through yours first? I think one might be too hard. Oh. Just give us, your to- give us your top three. Top three? Okay, Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE, um, Hyrule Warriors, and Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword's a Wii game. Well, that's... I got it on the Wii U. <laughs> God. Technically playable. <clears throat> well, what are yours, Andrew? Hyrule Warriors Complete Edition, like, uh, not just Hyrule Warriors, I want all the content that they've added in the Legends version of the game on the 3DS, because it always bummed me out that the Legends version has all the content on the Wii U version, uh, and then some, but the Wii U version actually didn't get a lot of that DLC. It got the characters, but it didn't get the new levels, which I'm not really that excited to play all the characters on old levels. It's the mm. same problem I had with Fire Emblem Warriors, where there's nothing new to do after you've beaten the game. I want mm. new stuff to do. So I, I want Hyrule Warriors, but I want the complete edition. So just a, a, a full HD rendering of the 3DS version of the game would be awesome. Yeah. Um, maybe asking for too much, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bayonetta 2, which, with all of the tweets that Platinum has been giving before all the Nintendo Directs the past couple months... Seems to be all but certain Bayonetta 2 is coming. They'd have to include Bayonetta 1 as well, wouldn't they? I would hope so, but there might be a licensing problem with that since Bayonetta 1's been getting ported to the PC now. Uh, I don't know what contracts they have going with that saying what you can and can't do with it, but it would be cool if Bayonetta 1 went in with that. I mean, it was on the Wii U, so... Yeah, it was for a while. Uh... For a while on the Wii U, you could buy a Bayonetta 2. It came packed in with Bayonetta 1. Uh, but after a while, Bayonetta 2 dropped in price, and it actually just came with literally just Bayonetta 2, which I did not find out until after I had bought Bayonetta 2. So something is going on with Bayonetta on as far as Nintendo licensing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have the privies to that information, but I think it would be a 50-50 chance that it would not appear on the Switch if Bayonetta 2 did, which is sad. And other Wii U exclusives. I only had a top because that was what the question said. Let me look at my list real quick. What about Super Luigi? If I need to swap out Skyward Sword, can I put in Super Luigi? Yeah. <laughs> sure, go ahead. 
Super Luigi. That's that's my that's my alternative to Skyward Sword. Super Mario Maker. I mean, why is that not already on Switch? Mm, Come on. Yeah, good L- point. That's my number three. Super yeah, Mario Maker. Good point. It, it could be the dual screen aspect. That's the way that it could appear. be. But I, I don't know. I, I barely used the dual screen when I played Super Mario Maker. But uh, I also barely used the level selector. I always just played 100 man Mario mode and just looked at the monstrosities other people made. But. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Mario Maker, I think, is the best game on the Wii U that almost nobody has gotten a chance to play because so few people had a Wii U. It not being on Switch at some point would be ridiculous. They need to put it on Switch. So for me, I've got a number here down. So uh, Ginny already mentioned Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I only included that because I bought it but didn't play it. So, But she saved me from having that in my list. So... <laughs> Um, I would like Super Mario 3D World. I know that sounds weird with Odyssey coming out, but I just really liked that game. And with the Joy-Cons, Fair it would be, would be a good multiplayer one, I think. Mm. Um, I think I'd like to see both the Zelda remasters on maybe as a double pack. I think that has to happen at some point. And Xenoblade Chronicles X, because that's another one I bought and didn't play. So basically just me trying to write my past wrongs. Yeah, uh, and honorable mention to Hyrule Warriors as well. We have a theme this week. Yeah, yeah. Warriors. <laughs> We're all playing Fire Emblem Warriors, but we would all obviously rather be playing Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good, though. Like Hyrule Warriors was amazing. It was so good. It was the best Musou game I'd ever played. It was the first one I'd ever played, but it's the best. Is the, yeah, I will die on this hill. That, that counted for me too. That was the first and the only one I'd played before this one too. So, Wow. Yeah. Don't forget you can send your questions and responses to our Twitter feed at SwitchFocusPod, our Facebook account, and via our website and its contact form. What are you guys playing in the coming week? Um, I'm going to be playing... Super Mario Odyssey. Um, probably going to be playing more Fire Emblem Warriors. Going to try and clock that. Um, and Count Lucanor will get more of my attention as well. Um, apart from that, I think that's going to be it. Maybe some Splatoon, but I'm always playing that on and off. What about you guys? Fire Emblem Warriors and Mario Odyssey. Oh yeah. Woo! And I'm going to try and do... What I said I wasn't going to this time last week, and I'm going to get through Fire Emblem Warriors. And I'm going to try and sneak in Oxenfree before Mario comes out. Whether I can do that or not is another matter. I guess we'll find out in the next episode. Just a heads up, there won't be an episode next week, as Ginny will be at PAX Australia in Melbourne. Now, it might sound weird that we're going to be skipping the Super Mario Odyssey launch week. However... Uh, we would have like 24 hours to play <laughs> exactly a lot of these games come out late in the week and we don't always get to give them the full discussion that we want to to give on them so i think giving us a week to play through it means that we'll have a much better podcast the week after so think of it as kind of a super mario odyssey special Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. 
why not also check out our YouTube channel, where we regularly upload the first hour of many of the games we play, including, most recently, Fire Emblem Warriors. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. You can follow us individually on Twitter. Andy is at Toast, Ginny is at GinnyWoes, and I, Andrew, am at PlayCritically. And if anyone enjoyed us spieling on about Golf Story last episode, um, my Golf Story review for GameSpot is just up, so go check it out if you feel like giving it a read. Cool, we'll put a link in the show notes.